We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Welcome to the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. We are coming to you from the capital of the South. I am with my friend and yours, Dolomite. Dave Martinez, D2, another special episode coming our way and certainly the way of all of our listeners. Oh, yeah. And I'm always glad to be here. Always excited to uh, listen to these guests. I mean, we have are, we are on, on a roll. I mean, we have got we've had some fantastic guests this year um, and I'm excited. We are getting some big names, and before we introduce who will be our featured conversation, for those of you who have not already seen the promotional materials indicating such, I'm going to pull a quote off of the wall from our Decatur store. It says, I also realize that winning doesn't always mean getting first place. It means getting the best out of yourself. That, of course, D2 is Meb Kafleski. He is our featured conversation. He indicates that. He talks in this conversation about achieving your fullest potential. But one of the things we know, even though he says winning doesn't always mean getting first place, he oftentimes did. The only individual to have won an Olympic medal, also won the Boston Marathon and the New York Marathon. We cover that. But his new book, 26 Marathons, what an awesome read. What he does does is he takes each of the 26 marathons that he ran as a professional runner. He recaps that race, but he also teases out what he learned from the training and from the event itself that has application beyond just that race and into his own life and ultimately has merit for all of us. And so what I thought we would do, I know I did not give you any prep time whatsoever, but with such a cool theme and way to lay out so many cool life lessons, you and I were marathoners as well. We've done quite a few between the two of us. Let's take a page figuratively out of Meb's book. What is a lesson that you've learned from a marathon you've done that has also given you some meaning well outside of wherever that race took place? So for me, it's one of those, you know, and I've, and I've said this before, I think any endurance type of event, a marathon, you know, is one of those where, it, you know, it is kind of a metaphor for life. Sure. You know, um, there's, you know, you know, you can use the term, you know, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, I think that kind of can apply to life in general. And that's how I've kind of applied it. And it was interesting enough that I, this, um, I went on a run recently and, you know, one of our former coworkers was asking me about, you know, what kind of what my goals are professionally and, you know, how do I go about achieving them? And I was kind of outlining them and actually put it in the terms of, you know, kind of training as you would for an endurance type of event. And so my you know, response is basically is like, as I do the work, as I kind of prep for what I want down the road, it's like, I see the work that I'm putting now in as base miles, you know, to where down the road, whether it's, you know, a couple months from now, a year from now, that's where the other work comes in. That's where the, the high intensity, the, the interval training and the same thing kind of goes, you're laying the foundation for me, I was referring to as a business, you know, as to my professional type of goals is that the work I'm doing right now is the base miles that and the base work that I'm going to then 
in you know in the future is where I'm going to see those rewards, you know, and the success come, and I'm going to achieve those goals because of the work that I'm doing today. And that's how kind of I see that lesson as far as how I translate the marathon, you know, to life. Because I think that can be applied on anything, whether Absolutely. it's you know professional relationship, whether it's a personal relationship, whether it's you know you're 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 meeting someone for the first time and you're getting to know them. That's the base work. That's you know that's where you kind of start getting you know um, putting the effort in. That's going to reap the rewards down the road. You got to do the base work. That is a great reminder for me, and I'm sure for others. I still remember my marathon PR to this day, and I think will probably be etched as the marathon PR, given the fact this happened over a decade ago now. It was at what was known as the Sphinx Marathon and Running Festival in Greenville, South Carolina. And I got back from what was mostly fun in a way that some people would say wouldn't be all that much fun, which was punishing myself in the mountains of Arizona on a mountain bike and doing some climbing and some trail running. And when I got back, I got back on a Thursday and I just felt like, man, I could be really ready to crank out a good time. I called a friend of mine who was in a running store in Greenville and said, any chance you could get me a bib for Sunday's race? And she said, have you trained? I said, I think I have, but I don't really know. It has not been the conventional marathon training program. But what became my lesson for life is I thought I was ready. And then at that point, that was all I really needed to do what it took to get to the starting line and find out whether or not that was true. Now, for me, it ended up being true. The race that is my PR is the race that I can say I did not do any conventional marathon training for, but like Meb, Meb indicates, I was fit, just felt fit, and felt like, man, I should give it a shot. How many times in life have I had to remind myself, I think I'm ready, and then all of a sudden give myself permission to go and find out. And sometimes I find out the hard way I was wrong. I wasn't ready, or it didn't turn out the way that I thought. But that marathon and that question, am I ready? I think so. Why hesitate? Why ultimately determine I'm not going to go for it? Instead, if you think you just might be, then my goodness, put it out there and get after it for sure. Med does an awesome job of unpacking so many lessons in his book. We are going to have the good fortune of having a conversation with him. We're going to bring it to you unedited and right after this very brief message. Congratulations to everyone that got into the lottery and will be joining us and the rest of the 60,000 participants on July 4th. Now is the time to start thinking about what you'll be wearing down Petrie Road that morning or later that evening enjoying the fireworks. That's why we have the Patriotic Asics Gel DS Trainer 24. There are limited qualities available for pre-order and we expect these to sell out. We also have Patriotic Run ATL shirts available now online. Go to BigPeachRunningCo.com and order your Patriotic gear and suit up for the 4th of July. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. What a special treat this is, D2. We were geeked out for sure when we put this on the docket. And now as our featured conversation, Meb Kofleski joins us from San Diego, indicated before we fired up the mic, not as sunny as we might think here in early spring. At the same time, what is absolutely plenty of sunshine is all of the lessons and all of the accomplishments that we will get to learn from today. Meb, thanks for being part of this. Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure for sure. And 
One of the things that we did when we incepted this particular broadcast is we set some guardrails or guidelines for ourselves and called them our pillars. And one of those, Meb, is for us through this medium to empower others. And I think there are very few persons in this sport that we all have such a high affinity for that I think have come to know empowerment as much as you do, both in terms of those who have empowered you as well as who you've empowered through what you've done, as well as those that you've gotten to know and influence through the sport. So I think this is as good a place as any to start. And certainly there are some of our listeners who know your life story and others who will learn along the way, but understanding that you did come from real chaos and conflict as an immigrant from Eritrea and recognizing that you came to the United States at a time that so many of us, heck, even as parents, know there's this formation of values and perception. And yet, during that delicate stage, you're in a brand new environment and having to determine, I'm sure, who you are and how best to pursue your ambitions. So when we think about Meb and that part of your story, the earliest days and the empowerment that you received, what is it that comes to mind and what is it you would share with others relative to the spirit of empowerment? Well, I appreciate that. I mean, my life now is nice and rosy, but it's through <laughs> the grace of, uh, grace of God, because as you said, been born in East Africa and Eritrea uh, in the middle of a war that lasted for 31 years against Ethiopia. It was, uh, you didn't know what tomorrow held. You didn't know what the future held. So it was just uh, survival. Um, and just, you know, day-to-day chores where you have to go two to three miles to just get waters to drink. You have to go two to three miles to get barks of trees or leaves or branches so you can have cook your food or boil your water. When you think of those things, it's, it's uh, mind-blowing where I am, but I'm just fortunate enough uh, to be able to utilize my God-given talent to where I am, but at the same time, my dad in Eritrea was wanted by the Ethiopian soldiers, so he was going to get killed or imprisoned. There's not much other options. And my mom had to have the courage to tell him, hey, maybe you should try to escape to a different country. And he had to trek about two, over 225 miles to Sudan, not knowing where his next meal was come or where he would spend the night. You know, we are, as runners or as uh, civilians here, accustomed to, oh, let's make a take a trip, take a trip with plan. To say we're going to go visit this place, we're going to stay at this hotel, we're going to take a train, we're going to take a car, we're going to take an airplane. But when that journey started for my family with my dad was, I have 225 at least to go north, northeast, and you know sleeping in the tree. All he had was a bag of barley, canteen of water, um, stick for protection, matches in case in case hyenas or other obstacles can challenge, because if he sleep on the, under the tree, he'd be a meal because of the wilderness of the animals. And, but he has to cross his legs in between, sit in a, in a, in a, where the branch of a tree is, and, you know, and having nightmares and waking up. So the empowerment of his the independence that you get from that. For me, my dad made that trip luckily and made it safe, but living behind a wife and five kids and one on the way. It was uh, the biggest, you know, biggest challenge that he was leaving behind, not the ultra marathon or marathon journey that he was ahead, but 
am I going to see my kids ever again? Am I going to see my wife again? But my dad and mom promised to each other that if, you know, like I said, there's no electricity her, so they can tell that maybe gender is even though my mom is affecting. They said, let's promise each other that if I make a safe land, I'll look after you. Name the kid Amina or Bimnet. If it's a girl, call her Amina. If it's a, guy, a boy, call, call him Bimnet, which means we trust that one day we'll make it a safe land. And fortunately for us, he made it safely and... I didn't see my father from the age of five till I was 10 years old. Uh, I can't even imagine that with my kids, but survival, like I said earlier. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, schools were not opportunities. We had a makeshift soccer uh, with, uh, with uh, long socks or long arm sleeve, stuff it with plastic in there so it can have bounce. And that's how we, our childhood was. The girls like to have jump ropes and play jump ropes. But... At the same time, when I ran to my dad after five years of separation, I just ran to him and, and hugged him. And, uh, and he goes, hey, Marhawi, which is Marhawi is my four years younger than me. <laughs> and the expectation of me growing taller and bigger was there. And the reality that not having enough proper diet or not enough food on the table to eat diminished my growth. And uh, he just went to tears. And I remember my mom. Uh, you know, this is the first time we ever took a flight and not knowing what, what we were going to land, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture. It was in separate for five years where she had a big burden. She's like, don't worry about their sizes. They can have a meal and grow bigger and stronger, but just make sure all six of them are here because for her it was a big burden to, to not know where she was going for the first flight uh, ever for all of us. So, but through mercy of God, uh, we were you reunited. And once we reunited and, uh, you know, we live in Italy for a year and a half. Uh, I saw television for the first time in my life when I was 10 years old. And I said, how do the people fit in there? I have to go there and see if the people were there. So it's, it's, it's difficult and challenging, but, you know, through the hard work and opportunities, we work hard and fluently six months and, you know, pays up to be young, obviously, and have friends that will help you and things like that. But, you know, in Italy, it was a, it was a peace and harmony, but my our parents wanted a better opportunities and uh, opportunity to grow, and that was the land of opportunity in the United States. So we tried to go to Sweden, we got rejected. We tried to go to Canada, didn't get accepted. So on October twenty first, nineteen eighty seven, we came to the beautiful United States. And fortunately for me, it was San Diego. Many people think now, oh, you live in San Diego because of the training weather. No, it's because my sister was living here before, and she sponsored us to come here with the Red Cross, and that's the reason not because, oh, let me see where I can go train the best climate ever, you know. It worked out in my advantage, but that's not how it started. But coming here in the United States was another new uh, culture shock, new different diversity of people, the, the food, the roads, the, the, you know, the buildings, and it, it, was, uh, it was tough. It was tough, but at the same time, our parents told us, if you work hard in the United States, great things will happen, and uh, for me, since I was 12 and a half years old, they put me in sixth grade so I could use that year for transition to learn ABCs and in, learn English. So we didn't speak the language here either. So my our oldest brother, Futsum, had the toughest. He was, imagine yourself, guys, placing yourself in a different country and not knowing the language and you go into the ninth graders, you know, and it's like, whoa, this is hard. <laughs> You know, you're trying to learn, you know, ABCs and, you know, and you can do probably do the math here and there, but new language, new, new, new culture, new, new environment is difficult. But he got the most outstanding student because of his effort by the, 
by the by ninth grader teachers and you know it was that was empowering not only because that trophy on the top of the tv obviously we have flat screen tv not, not many people know what tv looked like before but you have enough room to put a trophy on top of the tv and he says see that trophy there you know hard work does pay off make sure you follow the your footsteps of your older brother and that's we took that the message and my dad woke us up at 4 30 in the morning and to learn english through the dictionary before going to 7 30 o'clock class so the dedication the commitment was there and you know hard work expected a in anything and everything whether it was english history math or p or art they want us to get to work hard and get it done and obviously that's when my god-given talent was discovered when in seventh grade the p teacher said hey boys if you run hard you're going to get a or b if i see you make an effort but if i don't see you make an effort you're going to get grf well i don't want to disappoint my parents i don't want to disappoint the teacher i wanted to get that a so i ran as fast as i can and to get the a and the t-shirt you have to run 615 for the seventh grade which is you know and uh i end up running a 520 and the coach couldn't believe it like well <laughs> you're gonna go to the olympics but you know, you don't speak English. You don't know what the Olympics are. I've never seen that television before. So you're like, well, uh, how about an A? If I get an A, it was a T-shirt, you know. And uh, he was just laughed. And, uh, you know, he called the high school coach my, you know, the, the P teacher at seventh grade was Coach Dick Lord. And he called Coach Ed Ramos in uh, San Diego High and says, hey, we got a really fast one. He's, he's faster than the all, two oldest brothers. And he's going to go to the Olympics. And he's like, you need to go to San Diego High. And the rest is history. Well, and, and what in history it has been, and, and certainly, Meb, in your latest book, 26 Marathons, one of the things that I tracked with so easily were the lessons that you put at the front of each chapter. And I recognize one of the things that is so cool, not just about the sport, but for those who have excelled at the highest levels, is there are lessons for all of us that we can kind of lock onto those things that are going on inside our own lives, whether or not we're a runner or not, whether or not we're a world-class runner or not. And I think that gets pulled out so wonderfully in 26 marathons. One of the things that you mentioned in that answer of yours had to do with the fact that when you were in middle school, they realized with what you were doing in front of them, man, this young man has talent. And I think that by your own admissions and what I've read and heard in the past, you would recognize that you had some success pretty quickly. At the same time, I think there are oftentimes people who mistake what are achievements with what really should be achieving our fullest potential. What's really, really cool about you and what comes out not only in the book, but in your life story is you were less concerned about the achievements seemingly than what you were about achieving your fullest potential. So for our listeners and certainly for D2 and for me, independent of whatever the achievements might look like, what would you say that is just almost universal about really pursuing and ultimately attaining your fullest potential? I mean, I think, uh, thanks for those kind words, but I think what it does is, you know, we all have different abilities. It's identifying me early on. It was, in, like you said, in seventh grade, discovered that my God-given talent was running. But the achievement came and then handy. Then it's like, okay, boost your confidence or empowering. You know, when people see you and give you a high five, oh, he's the fastest seventh grader. You know, it was, when it, when it comes with smile, it was rewarding. Whereas, 
you know, I was mute otherwise. I couldn't speak. I couldn't even raise my hand to ask questions because I didn't have self-confidence and ability to ask questions. But running has empowered me to be able to say, hey, you know what, it's okay. And then success, with more success, it, uh, it opened me up and to show my what my talent is. And so instead of that, you know, through the 26 marathon, it's about faith and identity and running and life to be able to just say, you know, one leads to another, and you want to encourage people, you want to support people to be the best they can be because we all have different gifts. You know, not everybody can be going to the Olympics or when New York or Boston, but guess what? They have a gift to give to others, empower others, and that's the beauty of running. You know, you don't have to, you know, win. You're out there with 20,000 people or like in Petrie, you have 60,000 people accomplishing what they're ability in the 10K or... We all have the same journey from start once once the gun goes off or once the corral is left. We all have different counts to get to the finish line, and some of us have gone to to the maximum potential to achieve our dreams, and others have. have hey, I never thought I could go around the block. Um, uh, you know, they can go around the block, but they were able to run. Hey, two miles, a 5K, and a half marathon, and then eventually a full marathon. Well, and, and I think about what is listed as chapter six. And for those of you who have not already picked up your copy, one of you will be lucky enough from the Run ATL podcast to get a copy. But for everyone else, you need to run out and get this book, Marathon Number Six. And we'll certainly pull this out soon enough that for a professional runner, 26 marathons is a heavy career load. And certainly we'd love to go through each of the lessons associated with all 26. But Meb, I'm going to go to one of my favorites because of what you just said. I think it links in so nicely here. And that is you don't need to be an Olympic champion, a silver medalist, the only person to win an Olympic medal, the Boston Marathon, and the marathon in New York City. And you mentioned a couple of things, whether it had to do with learning the language or your academic performance. And you say before chapter six begins, small personal victories can show you that even greater things are possible in the future. Recognizing that this isn't an audiobook, would you just speak to that for a minute? Because it's such a powerful chapter, in my opinion, it was one of my favorites. And knowing that some who are listening have not yet read it, I'd love to get your abridged version as to why that's such a powerful lesson, even for you. I mean, I believe you're talking about the New York City or five. You that know. is correct. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, small gains, you know, uh, getting third place in New York City Marathon within three seconds, you know, it's just rewarding. But you have to remember the journey, how you got there, you know, the journey of, you know, having a rupture quads at the I'll sing the world championship and say, oh, I'm doomed. But no, you work hard to the best that you can. And once you get those achievements and say, hey, when I finished, you know, I didn't win New York. Uh, I was third. I was second in 2000, uh, 2004. And you have those goals that you want to pull it off. You want to pull it off. And then you're here. You are challenging yourself against the best in the world, world record holder and the defending champion. And you got it within Within, got it within three seconds of your personal best, and you got it down within the last uh, mile or so. So you think, okay, you can be disappointed. Oh, I only finished 30. Like, no. Oh my goodness. I overcame so much obstacles. I came over injuries, and I challenged the best of the best. I can still have hope to win it the next time around. So hope is everything. When we have hope, we are driven, we are 
are willing to work hard. We are willing to be disciplined. We are willing to be persistent. And that's what I think that chapter alludes to, to just say, hey, personal PRs within can be a greater what future lies ahead because I know I was not my best training getting to that starting line, but I still came within three, three seconds of my best. And I came with a third place in the last mile with the best of the best. So And then you can say, look at the glass half full instead of half empty. Say, you know what? The future is bright. Well, and you, you talk about the future being bright, and, and certainly it's an expression, and you mentioned another one that we hear somewhat regularly relative to half full or half empty when you're looking at the glass. One of the things that you're aware is the Olympic marathon trials for the 2020 games will be here in our hometown of Atlanta. And when I think about what you said about hope, and when I think about ensuring that you do celebrate, move forward, and ultimately learn from what had transpired. I think about the dichotomy of your own Olympic trials experiences. 2008, of course, including an injury that was really tough to discover, but certainly spoke to some of your performance. We lost a rising star and and really uh, fun personality in the sport at that particular event in Ryan Shea, and I know that was really difficult for you. You do a wonderful job of really commemorating his effort and ensuring his legacy in the sport in 26 marathons. And then, of course, four years later, for those who aren't aware, in Houston, you come across the Olympic trials finish line first. Knowing that marathon trials will be something those of us in Atlanta are talking about up and through at least February of next year, what might you unpack for us and our listeners about the trials themselves and then maybe more personally for you 2008 and 2012 as such important elements of who meb has become now that we are here getting close to the 2020 games well congratulations to atlanta and atlanta uh, group and runners there because you know with rich Kana, with the atlanta track club and many of his team have have been able to secure that. And then I think having the Olympic trials is huge. I mean, having had that in 96, having the Olympic Games there, the Olympic legacy, Olympic feature, and to have the trial for the marathon and is incredible. Um, I should be very excited, you know, obviously. And But at the same time, for me, my Olympic experiences have been very uh, positive for the most part, except probably 2008, like I alluded to, you know, 2004, I was a runner-up to Cold Pepper in 2008. I was hoping after I won the silver medal to go to Beijing and try to win, have, win the Olympic trials. That was my goal, to win the Olympic trials and see where it takes me to hopefully bring another medal. But you don't always get your dreads. You know, you think what you think you deserve, but you push your body, you push your body, you want it, you want it driven. I mean, now, for those of you guys that are in Atlanta locally and also people who are going to be there for the trial, they're getting into the thick of it. But excitement. I've been excited to just say, hey, Atlanta is known for the running city USA, and they want to be everybody that you know your best example. You want to be competitive. You want to show ready. And sometimes we can let me try. We can overdo it. So that's what I did for me physically. I overdid it in preparation for the 2007 trials in in, in New York. But you know, having lost uh, my good friend Ryan Shea was that was devastating emotionally and devastating just what well you know it puts a life in perspective because now we you know you say i didn't make the olympic team but no big deal but life in fact i was sitting next to him to the starting line uh so you know it, it kind of like with enrich with somebody no longer with us is is a 
I start to cope with and I still get worried and emotional at times uh, because you want to, you know, you want to dedicate him to the best I And I remember when I won New York City Marathon, I used to think, because it was the U.S. Championship and the International Field. It's like one of them is for me, one of them from Ryan Shea. You want to look as positive thing from it. And so one is from San Diego, one is from Mammoth Lakes. So you have those visualizations that you do to get ready for training. But you know, in 20, you have, you know, I had a pelvis chest fracture. So mentally, emotionally, physically, I was wiped out the 2007 uh, trials. But through the mercy of God, I, I was almost close to retirement. To answer your question, I remember I could not stand up because, you know, people think, I know Atlanta is going to be a tough course one. People are talking maybe 214, 215. That's the same thing they were talking about for New York City Marathon in Central Park where Ryan Hall ran phenomenal, ran 209 and change. So, you know, I, people say, oh, don't worry because you're you're hurting because of the course was stuff. Literally, I realized I went overboard training and I had pelvic stress fracture, but that was not diagnosed that until 10 weeks later. So I was moving kind of like, okay, the, the course was hard. That's why marathon, but I never felt that pain before. It's just like, well, I never ran around Central Park six, five times either. So you kind of make excuses or you're trying to make a, a, a value why you're hurting. And, but, you know, having gone through that, I, in preparation, it was a great honor to be able to win the New York City Marathon after a year and a half of physical therapy. And 2012, fast forward it, and, you know, after this, You know, 2012 trials, I, you know, it was, I was the only athlete. It was pre a lot of pressure going through the trials. The trials is sometimes even more pressure than the Olympics. The reason being, if you don't make, if you don't make the trials, you're not an Olympian. So you have to be top three for the United States. It's fair and square. And uh, I was super pumped up, super ready when uh, I ran the New York City Marathon in 20. 11, I was in phenomenal shape, but unfortunately, uh, as, as I talk on the book 26 Marathon, you can read about it, that I had a foot infection. I left my breath right uh, instead of my nose on my foot. So all those details that I made mistakes, but it turned out to be a really bad. But at the same time, he said, okay, I, what kind of shape was I in in 2000, November of 2011 in New York? You, you done all the training. You, you just have to retrieve it, retrieve it. To the fitness that you want and be a contender for the for the top three spots but then you know amazingly i came in in first place running a pr um and winning the trials in 2012 and grabbing the flag and saluting the marines it was it was just dream come true that's what i, I anticipated happened in 2007 trials but it was delayed four years for me that's i that my visualization my hard work that was uh, what ha was supposed to happen but it was delayed but never give up on your dream and keep hoping for the best and when you do you know sometimes marathon is it keeps you it's humbling it keeps you honest it keeps you uh, real and and for me you know that was what what i was doing in training did not exemplify or what i got results in in 2008 and 2007 olympic trial so you have to be within yourself believe your team believe the people that support you and great things can happen and now in preparation for the for you guys for the 2020 Olympic trials is around the corner, and uh, there are a lot of, there is a lot of excitement, and I think people will do well, both men and women. The women is very, very, very exciting. So if you're listening to this and uh, and getting, you want to put a little extra miles working and be able to cheer on people, I think that the women is going to be very exciting. It's going to be a lot of a uh, very deep field, and uh, and the men is going to be very interesting as well. But a lot more unknown names. To, to see who's going to be in the top three, whereas the women, there's seven or eight of them that can take those three spots. 
Well, of course, we're getting all geared up for it. To your point, it's going to be very exciting and interesting on on both sides. And running City USA, love the fact that even in San Diego, that you referenced that moniker that the Atlanta Track Club has rightfully put into the market. So there's the encouragement from Meb. Certainly, even many months out, D2 and I would join him in suggesting everybody make plans, make sure you are in town that weekend and come out and support these runners. Of course, there'll be activities all weekend long, including races that you can jump into. Meb, as a reminder for you, perhaps unnecessary, the 2012 Olympic trials was number 16 in your book. The key lesson that you tease out so wonderfully, when you're fit, you don't have to start from scratch. Obviously, that indicated that there were going to be some things that came up as you prepared and ultimately did have not just that great comeback, but perhaps a little bit of redemption from that race in 2007 and the 2008 Olympic trials. What would you say is that way of just knowing, whether it's emotionally or mentally or spiritually or certainly physically, whether it's as a runner or as a father, whether it's as a spouse or a friend or a team member, how do we know or how do you know when we are fit? And we do then have that license not to think we have to start from scratch. Absolutely. I mean, we learn mistakes from ourselves and sometimes we learn from other people. Uh, and they share those things with you, take it wisely. You know, for me, the reason I said you have to start from scratch is, uh, you know, I had a new sponsor uh, in Skechers. I, uh, I was no longer a Nike athlete and I went without shoe contract for uh, eight months. Uh, and passion what's your passion my passion for running kind of displayed that it was even though i was in my lowest of my career contemplating retirement again but you know i was really fit for 2011 New York city marathon i think i was in 206 shape i went i made it to mile 21 or mile yeah mile 21 at 206 pace so i didn't have to when it comes to houston in 2012 i didn't have to run even though you know i could not only had 48 days of running. I only had 69 days between the races, but because of due to foot infection and other things, I just have to believe in myself and my wife and brother and my coach to be able to say, hey, you know, I was the only athlete from Skechers that was wearing Skechers shoes. It was, it was tough, tough pressure, but at the same time, you don't have to start from scratch and say, hey, within myself, what you are capable of as a father, as a husband, as a spouse, or as an employer, what are you capable of doing? And if you are encouraged to get the best out of yourself and the empowerment is there in all fields of aspect of life, whether it's a husband or spouse or employer, employee or athlete and partnership with the sponsor, it's huge because confidence comes within self, but also when people acknowledge that, hey, you can do this. So when you're running your 20-mile long run, you have to believe that, but also you have to have the support to get you there also or somebody on the bike was facing me and things like that we have this dialogue and makes you makes you real you know you know what i'm not there yet but i will be there in three weeks and that's all that matters so we have we all have deadlines whether there is a race whether it is you know be the best that we can with our kids or whether it's a project that needs to be finished but we have to measure how to get there and that's what marathon teaches you you can't get there overnight but you can work hard and be the best you can and uh, get you know make incremental goals you know you can't be big 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 goals i'm not saying don't reach for the stars but you know have it achievable goals to get there well and, and getting there i'm going to 
pull some things out. Before I do, just remind our listeners, it's easy for us to talk about recently released 26 marathons, but for those of you who are tracking with this story, maybe hearing it maybe a little bit more deeply or for the first time, we'll remind everyone this is not Meb's first time to taking to these pages where he's willing to share not only what he's learned, but what he's overcome. In 2014, he wrote Run to Overcome, some of the things that he's already alluded to in this conversation as well as other items that are part of his story and what I believe is such an impact on so many. So whether it's you or whether it's someone you know who is going through something or perhaps has something to get through, my goodness, what a person of influence you should allow Meb to be. So check that out. You can find that wherever books are sold. So even though we're talking about 26 marathons, it is not the only material that we would highly endorse from this podcast. Meb, what I am going to do really quickly, back in Meb for Mortals, another one of your books that had so much rich content, you talked about a number of things and allowed us to kind of see how you distilled down your habits, the routine for you as a world-class marathoner. But then you kind of serve them up in a way that for me and my belief is for so many were really understandable, super consumable. And so I've just got a few items here that now we turn Meb into our personal coach for just a few minutes. And I want to talk about nutrition and mental toughness, a couple of these things that if you don't mind, I just like to almost rapid fire with you and then have you speak into so that all of us can benefit at the same time. Let's talk about nutrition to start with, whether it was while you were training for a race like what we've already alluded to in 2012 or races that certainly are part of your story more recently or nutrition nowadays when your schedule looks differently than when it did in your professional running career, what would you tell us about nutrition as either a great place to start or something we just absolutely have to keep in mind? Well, thanks. Uh, I think Mervomordo does uh, uh, more details, but nutrition is important, you know, as, especially as we age. You know, what you are what you put in your system. And, you know, we all get advice, you know, but we have to try those experiences, those the advice to in our tempo runs or long run and or before races if you do those things it will help you be know know you are what works for you what doesn't work for you so i think you know protein as we get older is very uh, huge huge milestone for your running because as we get older we don't we our metabolism slows down when metabolism slows down you cannot have as much carbohydrate even though people say oh you run a marathon carbohydrate 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 no you need balance you need some greens you need some salad you need some chicken or, pro, uh, or beef uh, to help you have a balanced diet. And hydration comes with, with it. You know, what, what do you do after a hard run or after a long run? For me, I have been a very advocate of generation. You can't be able to just put something in your system immediately within 30 minutes. You know, have a banana or have, uh, have some bars on, on, your, on your desk or uh, on your backpack. You should never feel hungry, hungry, because especially for the average runners that are running between lunch or after work, you need to have some, you need to graze throughout the day. I know whether having nuts or having bars to be able to just help you be, get that energy flow going. You know, don't wait until you get super hungry and eat anything that you see. You know, that shouldn't be because that's not, you, you put in so many miles and so many stretches, so many wake up calls in the morning or late after work to go for a run. Nutrition be one of the tools that can help you perform at your best. Awesome. So many good tips there, T2. So I'm going to actually tack on to what you just mentioned in terms of 
maybe putting off the rest or not getting that much sleep. Where is your philosophy come in with sleep and rest days and how you balance, heck, your schedule nowadays, but all of us who feel like sometimes there just can't possibly be enough hours in the day or days in the week? You know, I think it's important to put a rest as a part. We've been so much in the past, unless you are a millennium, people say, go the extra mile, go the extra mile, go the extra mile. Well, yeah, you know, you can do that, but at the same time, you have you have to be tra- trained smart now. You know, recovery is as hard as hard as running hard. So you're gonna have to you have to monitor your body. And say today's hard day and tomorrow's easy day. Whether whatever that means for you, or whether it's looking at a heart rate, I would just say don't go the extra mile. In fact, I I, I encourage you not to go that extra mile. The reason is you rather just have be healthy and run consistently. So if you're running five, seven miles, run six miles, and use that seventh mile for to be able to stretch. If you go eight minute pace or 12 minute pace, use four to six minutes to stretch before you go for a run, and then use four to six minutes to stretch afterward and get your six mile run instead of seven. That way you can stay healthy, consistent, and nutrition is good, your recovery in terms of rest and recovery days are important. And then, you know, cumulative. It's all about cumulative miles, not just one extra mile and next week another extra mile. So be be smart. If you can be smart, you're going to run consistently. When you run consistently, you're going to have good results. Well, and good results and longevity, what great reminders or pieces of advice. And, and obviously, again, Meb, one of the things that impresses me so much when I think about the title of the book, 26 Marathons, it was <laughs> very eye-opening to me that there were 26 marathons. This isn't just marathons you've been to or sometimes that you've been at the finish line to welcome those others across or perhaps had a role as part of your celebrity status. These are races that you participated and went for it. How do you explain in such an almost understandable detail for those of us who wonder if we could ever do a marathon or ever do another marathon that secret to getting 26 of them as a professional? Well, very methodical. <laughs> because the reason is being is, I think, uh, I didn't know I was going to run 26 marathons. I, 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 after I did my first one in New York 2002, I said, this is my first and last. I never want to do another marathon ever again. But so you did feel that way because that was one of the I, curiosities I, that I had. I'm like, man, everybody says, I don't think I could ever do one. And then when they do it, a lot of times the comments are, I'll never do that again. So you absolutely. were like that. Absolutely. Thank God for short memory. I think I felt <laughs> dropping out every, I dropped out one out of one marathon, but I probably felt dropping out of most all the marathons. But, you know, the thing is, seize the moment, carpe diem, be in the moment. So you just be able to just enjoy, you know, you might not win, you might not get top 10, but get to that finish line. And it will tell you a lot. You know, before I won the New York, before I won Boston 2014, 2013 New York City Marathon, I was 23rd place, finishing with Mike Cassidy, and both of us were struggling, but we finished hand in hand. But that was very rewarding for many things because it tells you about the character of not for uh, of not quitting or not giving up, even in the race or in life. And you know, I think the longevity is important for me because I was very methodical in terms of where I ran. I mean, even today, you know, I ran seven miles, but. I drive to soft surface, you know, can I run from my house as a professional athlete? Absolutely. Can I do that right now? Absolutely. I did that yesterday, but today I need to avoid the hills. I need to avoid the pavement. So I decided to go just around the grass, maybe two, two and a half, three miles out, three miles back and one mile loop around the, around the neighborhood. So 
you have to do that by tactically using soft surface, tactically using massages, uh, but also, you know, nutrition to be able to just say, you know what, I'm investing in my body. I need to invest in nutrition. I need to invest in soft surfaces or dirt or, or grass. Also massages. And, you know, it's cumulative to be able to say, you know, for me also I did that. I didn't over race. At least the one thing I didn't do is kind of have, I've done close to about 100 long runs that are more like 22 or 24 miles or up to 28 miles. But they're not in my book to say I've done 100 marathons. No, they're there for just in preparation for 26 for 26 marathons but in hindsight if i look over my training log i've done 27 mile run i've done 28 mile run but i don't count them as a marathon and sometimes you do 26 miles and you're like oh i gotta get that point two miles and you get a 26.2 in training whether it's three hours and things like that at altitude in the hills but you have to invest in your body of what you are going through because if you invest in your body taking care of it and then you will have the longevity and then for me i didn't over compete i I done the training a lot, but I didn't overcompete because I usually do two a year. Unless it's an Olympic year, I think probably from marathon number two to marathon number five. I did Chicago in, uh, in October, I did in February. I did Athens Olympics in August, and I did New York City Marathon in November. But you know, can I do that again? Absolutely not. You know, you have to know your body, you have to know your age, you have to know what you can and can't do. At the time, it was fun. I want, I was challenging myself to do those things. Now, if I could get one marathon, I'm good, you know, and get consistent training. So you have to um, take care of yourself. If you take care of yourself, good things can happen. Well, go back and listen to that, everyone. There is so much good advice. We talk about a pedestrian active lifestyle and a lifelong inclusion inside that pedestrian active lifestyle. And there are some tips to make sure that along with D2 and me and Meb, that this is something that you are doing for all of your years. Meb, before we let you go, one of the things that I know you're very much taking on as a challenge now, and one of the things that course i had to say wow why can't everybody do that is turn their name into an acronym and that is maintain excellent balance obviously that is meb and a big part of the meb foundation and what you're doing with our youth and in communities around the world so given all the different ways that you could use your influence and all the different things that you could be doing give us a little bit of insight into what you're doing through the meb foundation and how you would suggest not just with the links that we're going to put into our show notes and the encouragement that we'll add for people to get involved and to make contributions but how do we help families maintain excellent balance in all that they're doing well, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, they maintain excellent balance to health, education, and fitness is important to me because academics always been a priority. And if we lead by example to our family, you know, sometimes the kids will get asked to run a 5K or run, run, but, you know, we are a product of our environment. And for me, since physical education was very important, that's how my God-given was discovered, I want to be able to give back as much as I can to the youth. And by doing so, by some people needed a motivational speaking or encouragement, and others need product, whether it's shoes, gear, you know, T-shirts and, and stuff like that, or shoes. So I think it's very important to be able to just give back because the sport has given me so much to me, that is, and my family, and the United States has been amazing to me and my family. I want to, I want to be able to use that because I try to live a balanced life. You know, uh, I hope to be a better husband. I hope to be a good father. I hope to be a a well-balanced uh, person that runs and exercises as a habit, not because I'm making a living out of it, but because now 
it's more of a hobby. You know, I love to be, be leading by example. And, you know, we all have different abilities and we all have uh, a time when we have to make a decision to just say, hey, I want to be a positive influencer. And for me, you know, Ryan has put me that pedestal to just say, hey, it's time to give back. And, uh, you know, the foundation is doing really well. Whether, and we have given scholarship to young kids who are graduating, you know, high school, going to college, to be able to just support them through through what the difficulty financially they're going to face. Because just because you run doesn't mean you get a scholarship. So if you invest four years or three years of your high school, and uh, I can help you get to, uh, you know, whether it's 2000 3000 and there to be able to give back. It's, it's important to me. Well, that's awesome. And, and Meb, certainly we appreciate that spirit of gratitude, that graciousness, and obviously the thankfulness that you just exude. You are such a treasure, not just to this sport, but to so many, whether or not they will ever attain a status that suggests that they'll be in an Olympic trials or that they will be the first to cross a finish line. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Meb Kaflesky. For more, MarathonMeb.com. His most recent book, 26 Marathons, What I Learned About Faith, Identity, Running, and Life from my marathon career. Again, it is set up so cool in the fact that there are 26 different lessons from these 26 full marathon distances in which he competed Again, very much including Olympic medals and victories at some of the biggest races in the world. Mab, we're going to go to a break. But as we do, I'd love to have you take us there. Like we already mentioned, Atlanta hosting the Olympic marathon trials next February. And we believe, rightfully so, we are running City USA. As we go to a break, how would you encourage all of us, whether we're runners today, whether we're aspiring to get there starting tomorrow, or whether we are just trying to do what you've done and demonstrated so well, and that is achieve our fullest potential in whatever we pursue, what is that encouragement that you might give us? You know, for a lead athlete or the average runner, the hardest part is tying your shoes and getting out of the door. And Atlanta has an amazing trail. So I've been there many times with to endorse the 2020 Olympic trials. So if you are very active people and running city USA is not easily taken, you got to own it. And, you know, to be able to just be excited about the races that you guys put on and but excited for the 2020 trials, go out there. The hardest part is tying your shoes and getting around the block because once you become that, it becomes... I haven't met anybody that went for a run regret it. You know, it's a very endorphin-driven uh, be able to just say, you know what, I'm so glad I ran two miles, three miles, or 10K, or half marathon. When you train for it, you give, you make the friendship that you make over the years, the camaraderie that we make over the years is amazing. So I want to congratulate you on that, and Atlanta is a big city that enhance that. So true, and with that, D2, we'll be right back after this very brief message. Do your feet hurt? Feel any discomfort in your joints or lower back when you run? Your shoes might be the root of the problem. Whatever your fitness level, your feet should be comfortable and your shoes shouldn't be the cause of an injury or keep you from achieving your fitness goals. Come into any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free three-step fit process, including a video gait analysis. Our professional fitters will help get you into shoes that fit so you can enjoy running, walking, or any activity that requires you to be on your feet. Our 100% satisfaction guarantee will give you peace of mind if your new shoes don't live up to your expectations. Simply return them. No problems, no hassles, no time limit. We want to make sure you're completely happy with your shoes so you can achieve your fitness goals. Visit Big Peach Running Company today. 
And we're back. And yes, it is D2. And for the outro here, I'm going solo. Mike is out of town. He's currently traveling back from Denver. The interview we did with Meb was done a few weeks ago. So um, so it's just me uh, handling the mic duties here uh, solo. But I do not want to forget, we did have a, um, a great race uh, just yesterday. Uh, the Hotlanta Half Marathon and 5K was on Sunday, and I've got to say congratulations to all the participants that were out there. Congrats to Lisa and Tony Hammett with Peak Racing Events. They are friends of ours. I'm I'm a good friends with them as well, and they have really put their heart, their soul into growing this race. They had over 2,000 participants, and that's more than last year. They added a 5K, and also want to thank the volunteers that were out cheering and at the aid station. I was out there myself with our team uh, at Midtown. We had our pacers out there. It was a great time. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and we'll come back next year. I know that this race is keeps growing. We've had, uh, it's not just a, a race uh, for locals and for those within the state of Georgia. We've got, uh, you know, participants coming from outside of the state of Georgia. We've got international participants. So this is becoming a world-class event. And, you know, once again, Running City USA is right here in Atlanta. So congrats to all the participants. They came out. Fantastic time out there. But we do have some a little bit of time here, and so before we close out, I want to mention a few things. First of all, new Run ATL shirts are available. They're in stores right now and online. We have eight different styles for women and six for men. So those are available now. Go to your your closest and nearest Big Peach Running Company store or shop online at bigpeachrunningco.com. We'll ship them to you, make it really convenient for you. You know, everyone's busy, so we'll take care of it for you. So get your new shirts, get them in time um, uh, for this, you know, this hot summer that we're going to have. So we got tanks, we got uh, short sleeves. um, So get them while you can. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is something that we've done in the past, and it's a little bit of a product review. And I've sort of not been, I've sort of been familiar with this product. And because some of you are probably listening to this podcast on headphones while you're on the treadmill or maybe while you're on the road, one of the things that we are very conscious about is safety and being aware of your surroundings. And I've gone out and I've run with, with uh, uh, headphones and have even removed one, uh, one of my earpieces just so I could be aware of the traffic around me because we want to make sure that we're safe. And there's this product out there that I've recently been testing out. It's a company called Aftershocks, and the product is called the Trex Air. And they use a technology, um, it's called bone conduction. And what it does is it uh, leaves your ears open. It actually kind of goes over your ears and sits outside in front of your earlobes. And it produces sound waves and conducts them through the bone, through your cheekbones, basically, and transmit that audio so that you can hear it but also without blocking the noise and you know that's around your surrounding so it ensures awareness and especially uh, you know around traffic in areas where you need to be aware of cars that are approaching you don't want to be completely oblivious to your surroundings but also if you're running by yourself um, ladies if you're out there you want to be aware of your surroundings uh, especially if you're running up by yourself so um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. The quality is actually 
pretty good. Um, I have it's it does have Bluetooth technology, so you can use it uh, to answer and take calls. I haven't used it myself. I've talked to a couple of individuals, and depending on your cell service provider, they say it's actually really good. I haven't taken any calls on it yet. Um, I've only been using it for about a week, um, listening to primarily music. Um, battery life, I think it's pretty good. It's, you know, they claim six hours. I got about seven hours of runtime and that's plenty of time if you're out running a marathon and you need it for a race to kind of push you through, through those final miles. So I would recommend checking them out. They are available at all of our stores. They retail for about 150 bucks. Um, I'm, I'm surprised, uh, at the quality of them. And as a cyclist as well, I would never, ever, uh, use headphones while on a bike, but I did take them out on a bike ride and it made really long miles enjoyable. And I was still aware of my surroundings and I could hear cars approaching. So uh, I would recommend that you give them a shot. There are demo units available at all of our stores. So come into a store, put them on, try them on, see what you think. And if it's something you like, give them a try. But, you know, like I said, at, at uh, you know, the quality build is pretty good. They've been around now for, for quite some time. It's not brand new technology, but I would recommend that you give them a shot. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by them. I'm giving them my seal of approval. Um, I will continue to use mine now, and uh, especially as I ramp up my mileage. I uh, don't know what I'm training for yet, but I do have long bike rides ahead of me. And I do think that this is something I will be carrying, uh, you know, and, and, and wearing uh, for those long rides. Um, so before I close out, just a reminder, the AJC Petrie Road Race is less than one month away. So keep up your running, keep training on those hills, make sure you hydrate. The temperatures are going up. You got to stay safe, hydrate, 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 make sure you're taking enough sodium and, um, you know, and electrolytes so that you don't cramp up and um, start, if you don't already start running in, you know, I won't say in the heat, but start if you're running in cooler weather or just in the morning, try just running a little bit later, try acclimating to the heat because we don't know what race day will be like um, with that many people on the course and humidity always being high. Hydrate and start acclimating the heat. Keep up those training miles. Um, we look forward to seeing you out there uh, on the course. I'll be out there running. And with that, we'll be back in two weeks. And as Mike always says and always closes out, may your best miles be those covered on foot. Hey, y'all, if you enjoy our podcast, let us know. If you have topic suggestions, questions, or guests you'd like to hear on the Run ATL podcast, emails at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. That's podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.